Okay, well, welcome to another episode of Recovery Stories, where we're finding out about uh, peer support services in Aberdeenshire, uh, what they involve and what they're addressing. Um, it's the 23rd of December, two days from Christmas today, so uh, and it's a beautiful day up here in Fraserburgh, or the Broch, as it's known. Um, I'm here with Amanda Stephen, who's the lead practitioner uh, for Fraserburgh Turning Point Scotland. Um, so welcome, Amanda. It's nice to see you again. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me up. Um, yeah, so it'd be good to hear about your perspective on peer support services and I suppose your journey to them. Um, so could you tell me a bit about that, like your professional role and how you ended up in that professional role? So my professional role is a lead practitioner with a peer support service here in Fraserburgh. Um, how I ended up here, right, let me take you on a little journey. So I first was made aware of Turning Point as a service when I was in my active addiction. Mm-hmm. I'm an addict in recovery mm-hmm. myself. Um, so I first was made aware that I could come here in the this building in can I get help for my substance abuse mm. um I didn't really care much about the actual peer support service whilst I was still using drugs mm. um because quite frankly I wasn't interested Good. I was here to to hopefully manipulate to get something that I needed mm. to keep going with my addiction. Okay. Um, and then I came into recovery. And I was at a place in my recovery. I had been off a, a medication, a illegal drugs for a number of months. Um, but I was kind of like in a place for... I was bored. And I knew that I needed to be involved with something that was going to keep me occupied hmm. so that I would not go back on drugs. Um, and I came in here and I had a, a meeting with one of the women and she referred me to the peer support service. So that was when... It was not actually my first meeting with Tracy. My mm-hmm. first meeting with Tracy was when I was using and I was hungry and she gave my food parcel. Mm-hmm. Um, but in recovery, it was my first real meeting which I say that I could remember mm. and she had so it was this time last year actually Good. and she had encouraged me to I had a, a conversation we had on the phone and I can remember she was just asked me like for do you want and I noticed it was about me it was mm. not about anything else it was about fit my needs were at that time and I just explained to her that I was clean um, and that I just was looking for a little bit of extra support to get back involved with community mm. um, and for myself. So I started coming to the groups that, we've, that we offer here in Fraserburgh um, as a community member. Started coming in about and seeing if it, if it was going on. And I can remember the, being really nervous. I had been in isolation for a long time. Okay. Did not really mix with anybody unless it was in a drug setting. Mm. Um, I was very lonely and I can remember coming in and coming in as building that I was all these strangers looking at me and I just remember feeling really welcome and again I had said it to you before about how for me I was a bit like 
why are these people being so nice to me mm. if it is their motives? Mm. Because it was nothing I was used to. I was okay. used to surrounding myself with people like myself that the motives are for other things. But coming in and, and these people didn't want anything for me. Mm. They just wanted to give me a cup of tea and something to eat and to hear about my day and to hear about me. Um, so I, I continued going to the groups. Um, I made it like a weekly thing. I was showing up, I was turning up and... Um, and then the opportunity, I went through the the peer support training because um, I knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I okay. thought, right, I'm wanting to use my experience of being an addict, being in recovery, to support other people. And did you see, like, coming as a community member to the peer support service, precisely how you could do that? Yeah. Okay. It was very... Like, I've I seen other people around about me. I've mm. seen... So it was Tracy. Tracy really, like, encouraged me um, to go to go ahead with us and to go and DS training. So I did the 10-week course, the peer sport training course. I loved it. I was very aware that everything that was covered in that course was things that I knew I could offer okay. somebody else. What kind of things did it cover? So it covered how you can best support somebody that's coming into a service as a peer mm. um so now as a member of staff mm. this is like so we covered like boundaries we covered um just how how you can use your personal experience that you've been through to help somebody else mm. and it all comes basically doing uh, listening being able to sit with somebody and listen to them and support them and, mm. and encourage them and be that little cheerleader that's like, you can do this mm. kind of thing. So I did that for the 10 weeks. Um, and then I started like volunteering every week at the, the local in, in Fraserburgh. And then the opportunity a job came up. And to be, to be completely honest with you, I was like, I'm not ready for this. Okay. I was like, I don't think... I think it was like a negative self-talk. Okay. Not seeing the value in myself that I had to offer other people. Like a default. I was quite it. happy doing it as voluntary, mm. but as a member of staff, I was a little bit like, I, 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 I don't have anything to offer here. Um, and it's the lies that you can tell yourself to kind of keep yourself doing and underneath the radar kind of thing. And to be fair, it's quite a big step though. And yeah. as you say, you're still at a certain point in your recovery journey. Mm-hmm. So you can understand why that might be quite I I, overwhelming. I think I was at a lot of fear around about it. Like, oh, this is quite a big step mm. for me. In, it's not like anything I'd ever done before. Mm. Like work-wise, I, was, I, I trained to be a nurse when I was young and then... It was always like care settings that I've worked in. Um, and then I was a mom. So all that stuff, like career wise, was put on hold for, mm. for being a mom. And then obviously my life took a, a detour um, in the worst possible way that it could go. Yeah, yeah. And I lost that ambition at ever in a career or mm. ever going back to doing nursing or, or anything like that. Mm. I, I was gone. Um, so it was kind of like, if it wasn't for Tracy, and then I think I would have took the step to even apply for the job. We've mentioned Tracy a couple of times. Yeah. So that's Tracy here from Fraserborough. Yes. Okay. Who's also a practitioner in peer sports She's services. the service coordinator okay. of the peer sports service okay. for Aberdeenshire. And Tracy's surname is? 
Just say. Okay. So, so we acknowledge yeah. Tracy. Okay. So, I'll Tracy. So, um, that, so you're moving now into a professional role. Yes. Okay. Which, yeah, so I applied for the job, got the job in a relief position, and just kind of started working my way through the training, um, gaining confidence within mm-hmm. myself. Sometimes I would be like, do they really can fit their employees? But <laughs> the good thing about it is I've always been very open and honest mm. about pretty much everything mm. that I've been through. It's something that I speak about and now using it and helping it, helping encourage and show other people that that you can DS to. Is that not the whole idea of lived experience though? Yes. That you've got that foundation to relate? Yeah. Okay. And so being honest and being pretty unfiltered did that help you build your confidence as a authentic practitioner in this space it did see to begin with it was something that I I got quite caught up in and I would be like an oversharer and I would speak a lot about things and then through I suppose trial and error and learning I'm learning that my job is to listen my job is to sit down with people on a one-to-one basis mm. or on a group setting mm. and if somebody's gone through something or they're having a hard day it's to be trustworthy for them to sit and speak to you and can that it's, it's confidential like nothing goes on any further and just to listen mm. just to let them vent for whatever is going on mm. with them that they've got somebody a safe person mm. I suppose that they can they can vent till and I never had that I didn't hear anybody speak to a lot of these crazy conversations I would that I would hear would be on my heat mm. with myself mm. and that's not a good place. Not, yeah, it's yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like that saying a problem shared is a problem halved because you're just releasing through speech whatever is going on that in, in noise. your eyes. Aye, the yeah. noise in your heat. So you're transitioning into this professional role and it sounds like some pretty sophisticated learning was going on there around mm-hmm. boundaries. Mm-hmm. And about how, where, and with whom to share that lived experience. Yeah. So you were saying there was quite a lot of sharing maybe earlier on, but that changed. In the beginning, yeah. And I think part of it was like, um, and I can't if it was wanting to fit in or wanting mm. to show that I can't if I'm speaking of you kind mm. of thing. And then through trial and error and through having opportunities to learn and the support I doing about my, it's like... I've been able to realise that sometimes I don't need to do the speaking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can sit there and just listen and encourage in in chaotic, safe space, not welcoming space, for somebody can just sit there and be like, oh, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. But boundaries is important in this job, not just for me as a professional but for the people that I'm supporting as well yeah. is to hear boundaries in place that, mm-hmm. that they can and f- like I mark out quite well known at the beginning mm-hmm. it's like I keep for ID to person-centered approach so everybody is so different mm-hmm. everybody is seen as an individual everybody has got their own defects and assets and their own traits and all that kind of things and it's looking at them as, as themselves mm-hmm. I mean, in supporting them, how it fit is best for them. And I always mark a point of being like, this 
Who do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Who do you want from this service? In fact, can I help you eat? Putting that focus onto them. It's about needs, them. And, okay. not, it's not like one shoe fits our sizes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's like thingy in it for them. Yeah, yeah. instruct with yeah, yeah. your boundaries in place as well. And what's that like for clients or community members coming to the service? When you see people sort of enter the service for the first time... So I have seen people come in as service and usually they are so um, shut off. So boundaries are up. Defence mechanisms are up. Okay. Nobody, like, closed off. Physically, you can see it in them for mm. your, like, body language, so with your arms crossed mm. and you're not really wanting to engage with them. And then as they keep showing up and also we keep showing up mm. and it's gaining at trust in one another mm. but especially for them and another human being because like I've said before it's like the lives that a lot of these people have come through is it's no good lives and it's you've always had to like protect yourself and defend yourself mm. so it's like slowly but surely the defences all come down and then you start to see the real person behind the defences and then it's like even just like one thing that you can pack pack that they like or that they're comfortable with and then you build on up and then it's you start building like a, a relationship with them and it starts to open up and then you see people why that I see is they come back to life mm. you see them just starting to physically change, emotionally change, mentally change, and they're starting to be willing and they open up and then they'll start to give back. And you see within the service that they come in and they're so shut off and they do not really care fit to expect. And as they continue to grow, they get to a place where they're like, they want to help. They want to be able to use what they've been through to support other people so the whole model of peer support is quite a sustainable one now, yeah where it's that self-transformation and then that transformation goes outside the self but yep. more must take going back to that first step and over the threshold it must take and you're saying you know these are folk coming from lives of serious difficulty mm-hmm. must take quite a lot of courage to take that first step what's that like as a practitioner on the other side and you know, that initial trust and relationship. I think that's far, like, a lot of my job is, like, encouraging. So it's, like, encouraging them to take that first mm-hmm. step. Being a little bit, or, like, a, a body system. We do, in some of the groups, hey, like, a body system. But if there's somebody new coming along, somebody will meet them at the door and introduce themselves and then, like, escort them into the group and introduce them to everybody in the group. And so that's a big step. Because a lot of them have came for like isolated, mm. their own company or not so good company that they've surrounded themselves with. So when you're walking in to a building, that you don't care anybody, and it's like, uh, it's like you, you, it's like you're fighting against your old self because you're like, no, no, I'll just bide in my and heed in my own company instead of putting myself out there but in that destructive comfort zone yeah but if mm. you've got somebody there that's just like a gentle hand that's like come on you can DS and come on we'll DS and whoever and escort somebody to a group and then they'll come in and you just see like 
as the time goes on, it's not something that happens straight away and mm. boom. Mm. It's like a confidence thing. Mm. But the biggest thing to take that first step is to have the courage and to have that support around about you. But to get into the group, that's for you. That's for you get your support. Mm. It's when you start going mm. and you build up that relationships and then then you've got your support network of, of people that are that are similar. It's amazing the services that, that you guys deliver. So then once someone's got over the threshold, and it sounds like such a small thing to have a buddy to escort, but it's not the no. way you explain it. It's huge. I yeah. think the emotions that, and the words you described when we were chatting earlier were, was fearsome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge fearsome. amount of emotions and that struggle in, in your own head, as you were saying. Once you've got over the <laughs> threshold, what's it like? staying in the group and coming back to the group on a regular so, how do you support people with that th- this is something that i'm quite passionate about i suppose okay. is that to ensure that the groups are a safe welcoming and caring environment mm-hmm. so i mean for anybody not just these people that are in early recovery or whatever they're gone through for anybody, you want to walk into a room and you want to see people smiling and you want to feel the energy in that room is is loving and it's welcoming. But if you was to walk in and it was like everybody had faces on and it was negative, and you're not you're not gonna want to go back here. Mm. So we try and mark the groups at welcoming environment so that people their first experience will see if it's about they'll get a cup of tea, they'll get something to eat, they'll mm. get a general yap, they'll get introduced to other members that come. And then they'll want to come. Mm. So, But I, I, as far as it's so important is, is making sure that the facilitators in the group, the people that attend the group, everybody is, is welcoming and we're aware that, okay, there's maybe somebody new coming and it's that the environment is like that. So that they want to keep coming back. And having that awareness and sensitivity of someone new is coming, that needs to be... So then, in the groups, what do you do? What are the kind of activities that you do? Because I hear very clearly what you're saying about, you know, a welcoming, loving mm-hmm. space of acceptance and compassion. But at some point, presumably, you're talking about some pretty difficult yeah. subject matter... So how's that moment? So our groups, um, usually if it happens is you'll come in, you'll go and get a cup of tea or coffee. There's always some kind of food there, so soup or sandwiches mm. or something, you'll mm. get something to eat. Um, and what offer, there's like different craft activities. Mm. So recently it's been the, the build up to Christmas, so they've been doing like wreaths and okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Doing like little jars for your Christmas table. Um, but we also do like a, a check-in so okay. if we've kind of started in the phrase Brian is that once everybody's had something to eat um, we'll go around the table and we'll just everybody gets a chance to speak about whatever's been going on so like I said you can like that noisy head mm-hmm. and just vocalising putting it into words like if it's gone on releasing ah, Kenan that it's a safe place to mm-hmm. share it's confidential mm-hmm. everything it's said um, in fact, we've been kind of trying to do is to like look at the positives. So although negative things might be happening or you might be feeling a bit down or depressed or whatever, it's like trying to pick things that you're grateful for and mm. things that you're that you're happy for mm. in your life. Um, 
and it seems to like change part of me the atmosphere within the group mm. and it's like an attitude or gratitude positivity and that's what we're wanting mm. we're wanting these environments to be full of positivity so that you want to come you mm. want to come to the groups mm. you want to get a cup of tea and a chat mm. in the wreath if you want mm. i see what you mean Aye. Yes. yeah um and what kind of benefits are you seeing then as people are engaging engaging authentically and consistently what kind of yeah what are people getting out of it you see a lot of people growing okay. individually mm-hmm. so their personal growth comes it's like the first thing that i that i love that i love seeing them come in and they're they're still like unsure and broken and, mm-hmm. and they're really sure about what's going on and then they start to grow as individuals mm-hmm. confidence building is huge coming in a, an environment like that and the courage to walk through the door is huge. Mm. You see a lot of resilience. You see a lot of people that are now willing to give up on their recovery. And they're coming at groups to build that strength and to, mm. to get a support network around about them. Community is another word that I'm going to use for that because that's what we are. Mm. We're a community that are there to love and support and care for each other. Mm. And I mean... I was speaking about us the other day, so I know this might be a little tangent, but it's coming, so I'm going on it. Tangents are good. Like, society and nowadays is, we live in quite a selfish society, mm-hmm. and you can see it. Mm-hmm. And I, the other day I saw, I walked in a room, and I was just getting a coffee in a coffee shop, and every single person was on their phone. Yeah. There's no, like, that community integrating with each other or having a conversation with each other and I like a yuck I speak to strangers in a bus stop but that's because I was ignored for so many years mm. and it's like you come to the the peer support service and, and you're seeing it you're seeing community you're seeing people come together in, in a group setting and having a chat over a cup of tea and a piece or a bowl of soup now it's it's really I think it's really important because mm. It's never very friendly society outside aye, the world today. Especially if, if you're at a vulnerable point. Aye. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in that. And like, I, I do it quite a lot. I'll be walking down the street and I'll just like look and everybody's in their own little bubble. Mm. They're in their own little world. And I understand that. But when you come in, it's like getting everybody together and, and mm. showing kindness mm. to other human beings and respecting people as individuals mm. but also seeing that we're all human we're all we've all got our flaws we've all got our end stuff going on but mm. we can help and we can love and we can support each other through through that mm. through whatever comes by here and that support network like you were saying about those safe spaces where people can release and relate yeah. Yeah. so is it fair to say the peer support services are a therapy or a solution to addiction a solution um oh a solution to addiction i'm gonna say partly mm. i don't think it's not that simple it's definitely not that simple um i think it's really hard to say like you're not gonna go to a group and be like your problem is solved fixed. <laughs> you're fixed <laughs> new if only that was reality. But um, these groups on the peer support service is for people to come and they have got that support. 
So for me, it's like, I, like I said to you, I was isolated. I did not really hate anybody. Um, I never had family. I didn't did have anybody. I was just really on my own. And mm. it's like I started attending groups to kind of, and I even kind of it was to get a support network in the beginning. It was just to feel part of, because mm. I was just so sick of being lonely, mm. so sick of doing the same things every single day, and not feeling like my life mattered. Um, so it's a better description, maybe, as a support to and part of recovering. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. Because what it's what getting often... people, yeah, reco- <laughs> and I can't help word us, but it, it's it's making people feel like their life is meaning, yeah, yeah. in that they are part of something. Mm. Nobody has to be isolated and lonely these days, mm. and there's options out there that you do not. And I, I like I'm a big believer that. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm. So being connected with other people and hearing your support network around about you, which you could potentially meet by going to us groups, but you need to make that decision to walk through the door first. And you're saying that's protective and preventative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, so we're hearing phrase about it. Um, and you've been based here for a while. Yeah. understand. What do you see as the need here? Do you see the situation as a as a big need? Is something that's changing, improving, or getting worse? What What's it like? My personal opinion or not is that there's a lot of stigma still mm. attached to addiction mm. in Fraserburgh. There's a lot of... Um, I said it to you when we were speaking earlier about how it's like there's two different types of worlds in one place mm. and you can see that you've got like fit people with classes normal and then you've got the nasal normal mm. so like your mental health your addiction and all that and it's like the, the say that they're kind of bothered but it's like it's kind of ignored to like two worlds it's it is two worlds mm. and i've been a part of both mm. of them worlds and it's like to get to come out the other side and to be in recovery and now be in a position for working for a service, being able to support other people as they're going through their recovery. And it's like, and Fraserburgh itself, there is a huge need in this area. And I see it a lot myself. I see it changing quite a lot that not just we drugs, but with mental health as well, mm. is that it's near spoken about a lot. It's like... So still a lot of stigma and... Yeah, but in this area, everybody kens an addict. Mm. Or maybe not everybody, but it's like... It's such a small place and everybody kens each other's business and it's like... People are judged for what they've done mm. and how their life has become. Mm. And it's trying, trying to break that. There is mm. such a need in this area, like I said to you, the the drugs are changing mm. and it's the younger generation now that are being made affected by different types of drugs. So there is a need, there is a massive need in this area, especially Fraserburgh, mm. to kind of, and I can't if it's ever going to be broken, but to see, to show that there's support mm. there for if you don't want to live your life like that or if you need extra support to 
to not be isolated mm. and to, to get through whatever you're going through and, and that's what we offer. Mm. Yeah, the need yeah. is huge. Yeah, I can I, I can hear that loud and clear and the stigma's a big a big part of the battle, isn't mm-hmm. it? And like you're saying, drugs are changing. Yeah. And those who are using drugs from hearing you properly are getting younger. Mm-hmm. So not only is there stigma as a barrier to addressing it, the very problem itself is changing and morphing over yep. time. So that's so then considering the year you've had and admire you very much for what you've achieved and what you're contributing to yourself and your community, it's amazing. Um how do you see the future? Where do things <laughs> go from here? The future I think today we have got we're in a position now with a peer support service that we could mark significant changes in this area. Um I'm one of them that gets probably too excited and too carried above myself. But I think it's just because I see the need. Mm. I see I see it. I've I've like I've said to you, I've lived it both lives. I've seen lived in my own little bubble for life was good and mm. then I've lived as a drug addict when life was was really difficult. Mm. And the for this service and fit we offer we could have such an impact on both sides. Mm. I mean, because mm. like, addiction does not just affect the addict. Mm. It, it's like a ripple effect and it affects families. Mm. Um, and it's, we can offer, like some kind of, and I can't put a word is that I'm looking for, my, ma- my mind's kind of blank, but it's like, we can offer. Is it like options? You know, choices for people. Yeah, and support. Name it or fit. Support for for parents mm. that could be gone through it. We, we kids, and I can, my mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. They had me and they did not really can. Exactly. They were that, very unaware. That ripple that yeah. you're talking about. And it's yeah. like being able to offer a safe place for people to come that they can speak about what's gone on. And they can leave, and then they can come back next week. And sometimes it's just like an offload. Sometimes it's that two hours. It's like to just yeah yeah get the noise out of your head yep. and share share your another. crazy thinking with another human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the future, I think, like I, I said it to you, from when we were speaking earlier about for me and for I see is. The drugs are changing. Mm-hmm. The the people that are using the drugs are getting younger and younger, and it's getting to a place where we can go to schools, mm-hmm. get into schools, speak to the the kids. It's a true representation if it happens when when you go about your life and you start taking drugs. Mm-hmm. Um. We spoke about it, how it used to be the man with the briefcase and all the drugs and the briefcase mm. and how he would point them out. And, and all it did was he was curious. Mm. But if you had a human being that is willing to sit and share their mm. true lived experience mm. and go into some of the, the traumas that come with that life and, and the ways and means that, that you will go to, mm. I yeah. think we could reach the addicts before they become addicts yeah, yeah. because we sit in there and, and 
like sow a little seed in their 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 their, their little adolescent heeds, mm. <laughs> and they yeah. they might think, I don't want to hear life yeah. like that. I don't want to do this to my family. I don't want my mom and dad to feel how so and so's mom and dad felt. I don't want to do this. Mm. Um, but I. Mm. <laughs> mm. No, it sounds uh, it sounds very sensible to me. Um, and it's about, I think, like we were saying earlier, about maybe getting over in an educational way the reality mm-hmm. of addiction rather than perhaps the display board of illicit substances coming yeah. out the briefcase. It's speaking about the effects, mm. the, the long-term effects, the physical effects, the mental effects in the behaviours mm. that come along and that can... It's a, a lot of people had said to me about how can getting clean is easy, but biding clean is hard. Okay. And I believe that. And I'm not going to say that getting clean is easy because it, it's really not. But it's once you are clean and then all these emotions and these feelings and all these things come back to you mm. and they hit you. And it's like ticking bullets mm. sometimes. Mm. And it's like learning how to deal with these emotions and these feelings that are so alien. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that... And I do think it's something that's happening in society these days is that people are getting more comfortable with their emotions and their feelings and speaking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, like, I would love for there to be like some kind of group for... It is just like a, a check-in, a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? If it's been going on for you, it doesn't matter if you've got a recovery or if you've got an addiction problem for its mental health maybe you just need it for for normal folk as well because everybody's got their own stuff everybody's got things that's going on i think that's a really kind of powerful point to conclude on that what you've seen through your journey from having addiction problems still being on your recovery journey but now being a professional practitioner um I can hear you saying you really see the potential of peer, the peer sport model within and beyond mm-hmm. the drug and alcohol uh, needs that are, are very real <laughs> right here. Well, Amanda, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for sharing so much of your um, experience and expertise. It's, it's been amazing to learn uh, more about the service and massively admire what you and the group are doing i wish you all the success in future and hopefully come back and find out how you're doing in the schools yeah hopefully (laughs) thank you okay thank you